You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weatherpeak. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Thursday, March 11th. March Madness is nearly upon us. It's really here for me. Conference Championship Week. A lot of gambling going on. I'll talk about that in a second. Quickly, I wanted to uh, thank you guys for the... Reaction to the Jim Jackson interview. I guess I have uh, a lot of Big Ten listeners. I heard a lot of Big Ten fans chiming in on, oh, those Ohio State teams broke my heart back in the day with Jimmy Jack. Uh, He's a good dude. Very good guy. Nice announcer. Obviously a great player in his time. And um, I think you guys will like today's interview as well. It's an uh, interview with an up-and-coming sports media personality, Ashley Nicole Moss. I found her one day. I just saw her name pop in my timeline. I was like, okay, that's a take. And gave her the Instagram follow. She puts out a lot of uh, interesting content. And she's kind of the new generation of sports media. I came up in the old school. You know, you get an internship. You then, you know, get to the small newspaper um, and then work your way up the ladder. Now, I did at one point, see that the ladder was very long and I didn't have the patience to wait. So I kind of came in the back door by creating the website, sold that, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, as you know, uh, it was written about in the New York Times. Uh, very exciting for the family, obviously for me. And that helped me get to where I am today. And, you know, Ashley talks about her journey. She's very young. And she's kind of got an interesting path. If you can build a social media brand while you're in college around your field, you know, I think you're going to have a good chance of cracking into it. And she's starting to do some pretty cool things. Um, it's, it's super weird right now about what you can do when you're starting to create like your own reputation in a certain field. Like if you go into engineering, you know, go the engineering path and do whatever engineers do. Um, I don't know if I took any engineering classes in hindsight, probably would have been very smart of me, but in, in sports media, you can easily build up a brand around sports media and having interesting takes and, you know, uh, sifting through, Data. I mean, there are reams of data available on the internet right now. You can go read anything you want. You can find out any stats you want, and you can look at things from a different perspective and really come up quickly. So I think you guys will enjoy the talk with Ashley Nicole Moss. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. 
like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet. All right, before we get to Ashley, I want to quickly go over a couple bets. I had a nice run Wednesday. If you guys follow me on the gram, you hopefully made the bets. Nice little uh, nice little 6-3-1 afternoon slash evening in college basketball. I, I can give these out now. The problem is... They're all first half plays. And let me just, you know, quickly go through this. If you guys are into the gambling championship week, I've been doing this for several years. The books have sharpened up a little bit and the numbers are a little tighter. So some of them are going to be close and um, I'm doing them anyway. So in the Big East today, my strategy is I'm going to bet on the first half of the team that played yesterday. Georgetown against the team that has not played yet. That would be Villanova. So Georgetown played yesterday. Awesome performance. Impressive victory. They come in and they will be my first half bet. Now the problem is I don't see a line. For the game, eight and a half Villanova. I'm assuming I can get plus four, plus four and a half first half for the Hoyas. I'm taking the points. I'm also doing that with Butler in uh, in the Big East. Uh, I'm doing it in the Big East the Big 12, and the ACC. I'm just giving those out for now. I need to look a little bit closer at the Pac-12 and some of the smaller conferences. But in the Big 12, for sure, I'll be on Oklahoma. And uh, they they are in the Big 12. They have a big game. Kansas State, I will be betting on in the ACC. Duke, and again, this is just first half, not full game. Duke, Syracuse, Miami, and North Carolina. And I actually think the most value is probably in the ACC because I'm not a huge believer in the Virginia Tech team this year. I'm also not a massive uh, believer in Florida State. So those are going to be all my first half bets. I just gave you, I think, uh, seven. I'll be banking all those. Any that I add, closer to tip, I'll put them on Instagram stories. And listen, if, if it's difficult for you to pull... A first half play full unit. If you're bet, if you're betting a hundred dollars uh, a a bet, and you want to do fifty, hey, that's no big deal. Do do half a unit. But yesterday, the first half plays went three three and one, 
and three other machine plays. As you guys know, I have some friends who came up with an algorithm. It runs hot and it runs cold, just like anybody. And they went 3-0 and uh, yesterday with the Algos. So a uh, nice little run. And um, I'm going to be gambling heavy on college basketball all weekend because after this, I, you know, I do some NBA, um, but far fewer plays. Like this is when you're firing, you know, opening round of the NCAA tournament. I'm in a, you know, I have a ton of bets in just because it's exciting and I can find advantages because I've been diving into the numbers uh, here the last month. I, I obviously turn it up a little bit as we get closer to the tournament. So very exciting gambling coming up. But for now, here's Ashley Nicole Moss. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. 
He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into the podcast someone who, you know, we we get a big cross-section of audio here. Uh, people who listen who are older, maybe my age, who have young kids and are sports fans who kind of grew up in the 80s and 90s NBA and NFL. And then we get a lot of young people who are always asking for advice. And I've been looking around for somebody who's kind of on the rise, who have seen their profile grow. And I was like, oh, man, this girl's really starting to like kind of blow up. I see her name in my timeline more. And I know that's not the only way to judge how someone's doing. But Ashley Nicole Moss, a sports TV radio host. Ashley, welcome into Straight Fire. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, you are also in the iHeartRadio family. You've yeah. basically done a lot of stuff. And, and Ashley, let me first of all start here. You are a Knicks fan, right? You were, grew up in New York? Born and raised, yep. Yes. Born and raised Knicks fan as well. <laughs> so uh, I was born in New York as well. I didn't. My parents, you know, we moved out of there when we were like two. Uh, but I gotta say, I like my Knicks fan card. I've come close to handing it in a couple times over the last oh. I don't know, twenty years. Um, <laughs> it, 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 should we get excited coming out of the All Star break here about the Knicks? Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, this Knicks team. Listen, this Knicks team is not going to win a championship. I think the fan base is 100% aware of that. I don't think there's any fantasies about it being any different. But I think what we're looking for as fans is any type of sign of life, any type of sign of this is what the future could look like. And I think this team being consistent in winning, and yes, there's still a lot of holes in the game. You know, offensively, we need more shooting. Defensively, we look great, but you can't win every game with defense, as you know, despite what people may say. I'm a big believer that defense still wins championships, but you still need shooting in a shooting ran league. So there's a lot of things to be excited about. I think Tibbs also has a great connection with these guys, and the attitude is a big difference. This team really believes that they can win regardless of who they're playing. And that's what you're looking for as a Knicks fan. There's been so much constant change and rotation, whether it's front office, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's players, we're looking for stability. We finally have that. And we're starting to see what that looks like in terms of wins and losses. So I would be more than excited if I were a Knicks fan and I am. So I'm extremely excited <laughs> about what's going on. Uh, I mean, listen, I've, I've been down this road with Tibbs before, you know, in Chicago, I got all excited uh, with Derrick Rose. Like, oh, that's a fun team. And then, I mean, maybe they just ran into LeBron, but... Ultimately, like, he ran everybody young into the ground, you know? I felt bad for the guys. I mean, they were Jimmy Butler and everybody so beat up. But um, I don't know. I like your optimistic view, very (laughs) positive. And, you know, Ashley, I got to say, so when I was doing research on this, you know, you obviously have a pretty impressive webpage. I don't know if you did that yourself or you paid somebody. No, my parents did that. Oh, wow. (laughs) My dad, he's a genius, yeah. 
Jeez. Um, and I got, I was stunned. You got out of college like what, five, six years ago? Yeah. Five years ago. Like tw- I graduated in 2015. Making- so yeah. Oh my good. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Now, <laughs> l- now let me say, this is a difficult media field to crack. Um, a lot of people don't know like traditional newspapers and local TV is kind of waning and social media is like an avenue in let's just start off with advice that you would give young people currently in college who are getting ready to come out, enter this ugly field of sports journalism slash sports media. I think you hit it right there is social media and social media. Even five years ago when I was in school, it wasn't nearly as big as it is now. I mean, yeah, people had Instagram. There wasn't nearly as many filters and nobody was really on it. And the picture quality was horrendous. And Twitter was probably the biggest social media app. Facebook had already started to die out. So everyone was <laughs> tweeting, but nobody was using Instagram. So it wasn't so much visual as it is now. And I mean, you have to use those tools to your advantage. They're there, YouTube. I mean, so many people have been discovered on YouTube, whether you're talking music, whether you're talking media personalities. I mean, it's there for the taking. And I think a lot of people think, you know, in college, you have to kind of do the traditional route and you have to get the internship. And then that internship has to turn into a job. And then if it doesn't work out that way, you're a failure. And there's so many different ways. One thing I learned, and I learned this probably a couple years ago, because I was one of those college kids who thought I was going to come out of school, do really well. I was going to be on ESPN and be a millionaire by the time I was 25. Like it was going to be fine. It didn't happen like that. But there's so many different ways to get to the same destination. You just have to be willing to one, do the work. I think a lot of people aren't willing to do the work. They just kind of want it to come to them. You got to be okay with rejection. There's a lot of no's that you'll hear before you'll hear any yeses. And you have to be okay with perfecting your craft and realizing in that stage, you're probably not going to see a lot of the things that you want to happen happen. But when it does start to happen, it's like a snowball. Like it really just picks up speed once you get to that one spot. Let, let me, let's back up a little. Cause you said social media and you know, a, a lot of people think like, Oh, I can get a Twitter account and I can say boisterous, crazy things. Yeah. And <laughs> will notice me like, ah, I don't, I, Twitter can be difficult. It's really annoying. I've, I've lowered my, I'm like you, I've lowered my Twitter intake and done more Instagram, but at the same time, like, you know, if you're not coming up the traditional path of internships, which I did and working at t- TV or radio, um, like, how do you hone the skills? Because I did look at your YouTube page. You've got a couple thousand subscribers. <laughs> and I, 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 a lot of people find it difficult to say, oh, okay, I've got a YouTube page. I'm just going to turn on the camera and talk. That can be difficult and challenging for a lot of people. Yeah, I would say do it until you feel comfortable putting it out there because it it can be a little intimidating, especially, you know, luckily for me, I started off as an actor, like I did commercials and went on auditions when I was young, my parents, my mom put me into that. So my experience in front of the camera has always been a level of comfort. I've always had a great relationship with the camera. And once I realized I wanted to do journalism and I got involved with sports and I realized how much I loved the logistics and the conversations and the stories surrounding it, it it went ahead and switched but don't put something out there until you feel comfortable you can use Mm. youtube as a way to kind of just hone your skills and be comfortable speaking in front of 
the camera because a lot of people do freeze up. I see it a lot. <laughs> they freeze up. They real. They think they're in too much in their own head and you lose your train of thought. And some people are naturals in front of the camera. Some people aren't. They have to work a little bit harder at it. But the good thing is about the good thing is rather is that you have the tools there to help you practice. And that's a lot of, you know, steps ahead of what I had, what people before me had, what people before them had. You had to go ahead and learn the hard way. Sometimes you just were out there and doing live TV, you fumbled. There was no, oh, well, figure it yeah. out. You know what I mean? So I think the social media aspect and all the tools at your at your fingertips has really made it, you should come out of this and be top-notch journalists and ready to go when you do get that job opportunity. Yeah. So I, I guess I didn't know about the child acting stuff. That's kind yeah. of a cool angle. So <laughs> I'm curious what, like, clearly you had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of options. Yeah. Why would you pick this field? Like, were you a big <laughs> athlete growing up? Were your parents athletes? My parents aren't athletes. My dad is a huge sports fanatic, though, growing up. Okay. I mean, there's pictures of me as a baby, and I'm sitting on his lap, and I have, like, a, a Knicks fitted that's way too big for me yeah, on my head. Yeah. Another picture, I have a Dallas Cowboy jersey on, which was a fandom that was thrust upon me as well. So I always had a relationship with sports. I played sports in school. I played basketball a little bit. I played volleyball, soccer, a little bit of everything. But it wasn't until I got into, like, high school, and I would start debating sports, but I realized, like, I was really good at it. Like I would debate the guys at lunch and he, they would be like stuck on some of the things that I would say. <laughs> and then I kind of used that to develop it into, I loved writing and I loved telling stories. And that was one of the reasons I got into journalism was to tell the stories of these athletes more than just what you see on the field, more than just wins and losses. And then it kind of developed into learning the logistics of the game and making myself knowledgeable in that. So you combined all those things. And when I was younger, when I was doing acting, I didn't have the, the, you know, the charisma or the chutzpah, as we say in New York, to deal with all the rejection that comes with it. I just wanted to be a kid. So I, I commend right. all those child actors. That's hard because after like my 10th audition where I got rejected, I was like, I'm good. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm good. I don't want to do this anymore. So it kind of flew. It, it all kind of rolled into each other somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I remember now when I first got to FS1, like, you know, YouTube was not a huge thing. I mean, obviously it was big, but now, you know, as people cut their cable, a lot of people are watching YouTube and yeah. we just hired a guy at Fox, RJ Young, who has this colossal YouTube following. And I'm like, man, I, where can I read RJ? I didn't know like RJ Young. And I, I start talking to him over text and I'm like, YouTube really can be a thing. So I, I do want to ask you, do you suggest to people that when they start up YouTube, they maybe make it private so only they can see it or the friends and family? And then after a lot of practice, then maybe you unleash it to the world or, or what have you. I think practice should just happen on your own and you can always upload videos, save them to your computer and watch and watch it mm -hmm. like game film and figure out, okay, I can do this better. I can do that better. I think the minute you start a YouTube channel and you start producing content mm -hmm. that you feel comfortable putting out there, take it off private, make it public, start trying to get those subscribers, use your social media to go ahead and promote that page so that you get the traction, you get the views, because what good is a YouTube page, a YouTube channel that nobody watches? So I would say until you feel comfortable, don't put anything on YouTube, but having a private page, whether or not, you know, is, is just pointless. So just practice on your own. You can always save your videos, watch them, show your family and friends, airdrop it to them like, hey, what do you think of this? And then when you're ready to go, hit that ground running and do what yeah. you can do. 
you know, it just dawned upon me. I bet when your dad was watching uh, the Knicks, they were good. This was, I'm assuming, yeah. the 90s, yeah. you know, the Patrick Ewing, <laughs> John Starks, those Knicks. Okay. And now you go to college in Miami where LeBron just happens to go to Miami and is ascending and it's the top of his game. So you really lucked into my getting to you know graduating and getting out of Miami when you were there. I'm yeah. curious what was the vibe like in Miami? You're you were a college kid. Yeah. And the Miami Heat are now bigger than the Hurricanes and everybody, right? Yeah, it was insanity. I mean, especially being a Knicks fan. It was crazy because my hatred for the Heat has subsided. <laughs> it subsided these past when once LeBron left, it was like my hate went with it. It was fine. I don't I I started working with the team. I I developed a soft spot for them. But mm -hmm. when LeBron James was here and it was the big 3, I can't tell you it, how who hated them more than I did. Like maybe my dad. I mean, it was just I would root for any single any team that played against them in the finals. I was a fan of that team. I was a Spurs fan one year. I was a Mavericks fan the next year. I was a Warriors fan. I mean, it was just well, the Warriors was when he went to the Cavs, but I was just I just couldn't take it. I was I just was not a fan of the team, and they just would not stop winning. They were just constantly winning, and you would never hear the end of it in Miami. It was constantly Miami Heat commercials and apparel, and people had flags on their cars, and you couldn't tell Heat fans yeah. anything during those era, during that era, and respectfully so. I mean, you have the best player in the NBA, arguably at the time, like. I would be, if that was the New York Knicks, you couldn't tell me anything. You still couldn't to this day if that were me. Like, I would be like, listen, we went back-to-back -back championships. So I get it. It was a tough time, though, for non-Heat. So now Pat Riley, former Nick coach, legend, yeah. uh, he Lakers guy as well, was in Miami at the time. Uh, did, did he kind of, I mean, I'm assuming you interviewed him plenty based on stuff I've read. It was hilarious. I interviewed him when I was 23, I want to say. And okay. I was so, it was probably, I've never gotten nervous for an interview. That was the only interview I ever got nervous for, for two reasons. One, it's Pat Riley. When he walks into the room, he has this like godfather aura about him. It's just like, it just feels like you're meeting like Tony Soprano. It really is like the craziest feeling. And two, I'm a Knicks fan and I've talked mad trash about the heat. And I, I wonder if he could like smell the Knicks fandom on me, oh, like, like a dog or something. It was <laughs> it was crazy. But then, you know, he starts speaking and, and you kind of you let your guard down. You realize really how warm he can actually be. I think you see him sitting at the AAA and he has like this stoic look on his face and, and you feel Oh my gosh, like he's willing to cut anybody if they don't do what they have to do. And then you get a, a understanding of why people, you know, put him in such high regard, not only because he's a genius at what he does, but because he genuinely is a good person. And um, it was a great experience interviewing him. It was top five interviews I've ever done, but mm. also the most nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about being nervous. I mean, obviously you're super young and you, you know, young kind of, you usually we're fearless when we're young. I'll never forget. I got sent to cover a baseball game, a Mets Cardinals game at the time and Albert Pujols, Ooh. you know, I didn't know the protocol and you, I'm assuming, you know, uh, may not have known it either, but you know, baseball players, when they're walking around the stadium, you can't just go up and ask them questions. I just saw Pujols <laughs> walking around. I just went up to him. Hey, Albert, quick question. He looked at me like I asked him for money or something <laughs> and just totally brushed me off. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I don't, there's rules here. Uh, did you ever have any moments where you were like, oh, I, I am 22 <laughs> and I'm surrounded by old media people. I'm, uh, you've seen the media. They're considerably older than you are. Yeah. Uh, any, any young moments that were uh, either fearless or embarrassing? 
probably the two moments that stick out to me was my first big gig out of college was working the Orange Bowl. And that was when mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson were going at it. And I was surrounded by people like Samantha Ponder and that ESPN crew at the time. And, you know, Fox Sports was there and that crew at the time. I mean, it was people that I've watched on TV for years. And now we're literally standing in the same room at the same press conference, interviewing the same players. And it was just a surreal moment, but the most surreal probably would be my first Super Bowl, and that was down here in Miami. And I remember walking into the convention center and Radio Row and just be t- and just taken aback by. What, was this twenty nineteen? No, this was twenty twenty. The past Super Bowl, the one um, the the Chiefs won. Oh yeah, 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 right before the pandemic started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Right before the pandemic started, and I walked into the room, and it was just—I mean, you see everybody from Michael Strahan to Emmett Smith, and you see um, the the Fox Sports crew, you see the CBS crew, you see Tony Romo. I mean, people that like one, I'm a fan of. Two, that like I watch on TV religiously and we're all like bumping elbows and sharing the same air in the same space. Yeah. And I just remember I bumped into Emmett Smith and I almost had a heart attack. I was, <laughs> I was like, Emmett, I love you so much. I'm such a, and like, you know, that's not something you're supposed to do when right. you're there working. You're not supposed to ask for autographs, take pictures. I met Dak Prescott there. We took a picture. I was one of those people like, look, if I never work a Super Bowl again, I'm going to remember this. So everyone get out of it. I'm taking pictures, move. Like, And I think that's something that people have to do is just have yeah. to obviously be respectful and don't overstep your bound boundaries. But I think you got to live in the moment because you never know if it's going to be the last time. And I think you have to do things your own way to a degree. And people either respect you or they don't respect you for it. But a lot of the time people respect authenticity. So, oh, yeah, certainly. I I think, you know, I don't give Bill Simmons a lot of credit. I almost never talk about him, but I think he was the guy who kind of changed things from being a strictly I'm a reporter to the fan element. And he was like a fan and people were like, you can't, I mean, he's a fan. What does he know? He can't say this stuff. He can't act like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can. And the new generation does. I mean, you're openly a Knicks fan. You're covering the NBA. You talk about uh, the NBA various platforms, right? You can be a fan. And I think that authenticity helps the audience almost gravitate toward you more. Absolutely. Would you, would you agree they like you more because of that? Absolutely. And I get that a lot when people like meet me or they write me like on Instagram or even like when I do shows and it's like a live chat, people will say things like that. I just feel like I make it no secret. You know, I'm a proud New Yorker. I come from New York. I wear that proudly. I've never shied away from it. I don't try to hide it. Um, and I think that comes across in a lot of my reporting style. It comes across in the way that I dress. It comes across in the way that I look in the way that I think. And I think that people can relate to that. And I make no secret either. I'm a proud Cowboys fan. Whenever I talk about the Cowboys, yeah. I say we, when I say, I you're going to have to explain that one. I, I don't know how you're a Cowboys I, fan from New York. I, that doesn't make sense. I was on, we did a, I did a show the other day and they were asking me about Dak Prescott and how I feel about the contract. And even towards the end, I said, you you know, I can't wait for us to win a oh, us geez. us to win a Super Bowl. Most people would say the Dallas Cowboys. I'm saying us because I'm a fan. So people also they like that. They like the re- relatability because I think a lot of times journalists, people in the media, 
seem so far away, especially in sports, you feel like there's a hierarchy. There's the athletes, there's the media because they have a direct line to the athletes. They meet them. And then the fans kind of feel like they're at the bottom because they don't have access. They don't have that kind of reach, but I've always looked at it. Like the fans are what makes sports so fantastic. We would have nothing to talk about. The players wouldn't have games to attend. No fans. We see what that life looked like. So the fans are really the foundation of what sports is and what makes it so special. So interacting with them and relating to them is really important to me. And and you're, I think you're right because the social media aspect has changed it. The the middleman, the media, the journalists have kind of been cut out. They've been marginalized because you, I don't need to know what Tiger Woods is thinking. He'll just put it on his website or put out an Instagram post, or I don't think he does Snapchat, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know know what I mean? Like the athletes can talk directly to the fans. I mean, that has some consequences, as we saw with Myers Leonard this week. Um, but I am curious on Dak. Um, in, I know you're a fan, but in reality, Ashley, can they win a Super Bowl or even win multiple playoff games when they just paid their quarterback $40 million a year? And the last, I don't know, 15 years of evidence says it's very difficult to build a team when you pay a quarterback that much. Well, I was listening to the press conference this afternoon that Jerry and Doc did um, and Stephen Jones, and they said that they're below the cap enough where they can start worrying about things like that and things that have to be also contributed to this team to make them contenders, especially for the Super Bowl, which ultimately is the goal, not just of the Cowboys, but of any franchise, you want to win Super Bowls. So I think obviously there's a lot of work the Cowboys need to do defensively. It's atrocious. Offensively, I feel like our offensive line obviously struggled last season because they were unhealthy and then the DAC situation happened. I think the offensive line's pretty good for a couple of more seasons. Then you have to start thinking about replacing those guys as they start to age out. Offensively, there's no reason that we should not be winning that NFC East division every single year. I mean, you have multiple pro bowlers on your team. You have probably on paper, one of the most talented offenses in the NFL with Amari Cooper, with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, those are top names in this league. So the defense is really going to make or break this team because I still believe that defense wins championships. I know it's an old school mentality. I still believe that it does. So that's going to make the difference of what this team does. But I think as it's constructed right now, because the NFC East is such a disaster, normally is. I mean, you look at the Eagles disaster, the Giants rebuilding Washington football team. We have no idea what's going on with that situation. If they even have a quarterback right now. So it's open for the Cowboys to take it. They should take it. And if Dak wants to prove everybody wrong, who says he doesn't deserve this money, he has to take it. All right. I'll wrap up with this, Ashley. Um, I looked at your Kyrie Irving video. You're apparently a big Kyrie Irving fan. We greatly disagree on this. (laughs) Um, First of all, uh, I, I, you know, he's a New York guy and obviously he's immensely talented. I get that. I need you to help me understand how he can abandon his team earlier this season, not notify the coach, and how that's okay. I, like, I, I Maybe I'm missing some of the circumstances. I know you're friends with Scoop, and a couple, I, I've had him on. Um, a lot of people like to defend Kyrie Irving, but in reality, I, I need to know like how, how that's cool to just walk. Like, imagine you in a relationship with somebody. They said, hey, I need some time. I'm out. And they just vanish for two weeks and then come back. Like, you taking that person back because you know the team mentality. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. I think it wasn't necessarily that he took some time off. You know, he took some mental health days, which, listen, in this society that we live in, if you need those days, take them. I think that the argument was the amount of days that he took and the 
fact that there wasn't open lines of communication with Steve Nash, which I'm not a fan of, because at the end of the day, regardless of whether he's a former player or not, that is still, quote unquote, your boss. That's the leader of your team. You're supposed to show a level of respect. I think Kyrie and Kyrie has always marched to the beat of his own drum. I don't think that's justifying it. I That just is what it is. Um, I don't think that the Nets thought anything different when they brought him in. I think they knew who he was and who he was going to be and continue to be. And I think Kyrie was able to turn around, turn it around. I have to say, you know, he owned up to it. He apologized. He said, look, I just wasn't in the space where I could go ahead and contribute to this team the way that I want to. I should have done it differently, but this is what it was. So all you can do is, is accept someone's apology and hope that, you know, it doesn't happen again. Very forgiving, Ashley. I see that. So let me ask you last final question. Um, Kevin Durant's going to come back here in, I believe, two weeks. And it's going to be KD, Harden, and Kyrie together. When I look at big threes, we've talked about it extensively here. Somebody's always had to take a step back, Ashley, whether it was Bosch, K-Love. Um, Clay Thompson was like a forgotten man. He was just just catch and shoot. That's all you got to do. Um a, who takes a step back, and B, how does Kyrie handle it when he's got to be the guy who takes a step back? And I'm not a hater, just to be clear. I know it might sound like it, just a realist. That's the million-dollar question, honestly. Like, um, I think Kyrie's not going to like taking a backseat, and that was one of my arguments when that whole situation happened, when James Harden joined the team, was how is this going to work? Because Kevin Durant's already shown, first of all, he's the leader of the team, and he can be an unselfish player if necessary. James Harden has shown, I think, that he can be, but he doesn't like to be. He likes to have the ball in his hand. He likes to be in control. Kyrie Irving is not a true point guard. A true point guard, their job is to go ahead and move that offense. Kyrie likes to shoot, and that's not really his job. That's not what he's supposed to do, but he likes to do it. One of those two have to take the back seat, and I think just because of how the team is constructed and what would be the most successful, it has to be Kyrie Irving. Now, if he does it, Mm. I don't know. That's a different conversation because Kyrie has already shown, even you go back to when he was playing with LeBron, he's not going to let anybody big brother him, if you will. (laughs) He respects himself and he wants you to respect him too. And he's not allowing anybody to do anything different. You hear the way that he speaks to the media when this conversation arises. You hear the way that he speaks to his teammates, whether it's on IG Live. He's just not letting anybody big brother him. So the Nets are going to be in a situation as the game continues to slow down, which it does as you get closer to the playoffs. They can't just consistently rely on these guys fighting for the ball and hoping that they put up enough shots before the clock runs out and they get the win. That's not how you win basketball games, and that's not how you win championships. Somebody's got to be the unselfish person to join KD. I just don't know who that's going to be. So that's the billion-dollar question. Okay. All right. Ashley Nicole Moss. You, I like how you go by all three names. <laughs> that, that's Because that's Ashley Moss, I guess, is a little more common. But at any rate, you can follow her on, what, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, which which platform do you are you most active on with fans and, and the audience? Um, probably Twitter and Instagram. YouTube, you put up the videos, people comment, but you don't really respond to those comments for the most part. But on Twitter, if you tweet me and it's nothing like out of this world and crazy, because people can get crazy on Twitter and they can yeah. get crazy on Instagram, I try to respond and keep somewhat yeah. of a line of communication open. Because like I said, the fans are what makes sports so special. I'm trying to relate, be as relatable as possible. So All right. All All right, thanks a lot for the time, Ashley, and uh, good luck to your Knicks in the second half. (laughs) Thank you.
Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.